Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. All right, all right. Before we get to the Word, and we're going to John, by the way, but before we get to the Word tonight, there's something else that, that, that God began to speak to me over here. And just, just uh, I say, God spoke to you? Yes, he did. How does he speak to me? How, well, I think he speaks differently to different people, but he also speaks similarly to a lot of people. He, he just begins to, without my permission and without my conscious consideration, when I'm doing something else, I'm completely, he begins to invade my mind and begins to, to push his impression Impressions in, and then as soon as I acknowledge it, he begins to just uh, 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 unfold thoughts and revelation to me. And every one of them, I check and make sure lines up with the Word of God. Because, and and and, and we'll talk about this just a little bit later. And I just now realize it it it, it dovetails. How do you hear from God? Make sure it's God. You know, uh, John said, "Do not believe every voice that you hear." Do not believe every spirit, but rather try the spirits. You know, you need to test those voices and make sure they line up with every word of God. You know, even the devil uses scripture on Jesus, trying to get him to get, get just one real. So, you know, you know, you have to make sure it passes the whole counsel of God test. But I was over there and worshiping and enjoying my worship, and I wasn't thinking about anything. And God began to impress upon me. And he said, every person is designed. I, 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 I got a pen I begin to write it down every person is designed by him to be the perfect contribution to the human race every every person that you ever see was designed by God to be the perfect contribution to the human race they are designed by God to be a perfect complement to God's whole plan for humanity not every person uh, uh, plays their part, but that does not have to be your choice or your testimony. You are designed perfectly by God. You are designed by God, and every other person you see is designed to be the perfect contribution to the human race. Now, our goal and our task is to learn how to do our part and to let other people do theirs. I, I heard this just a few moments earlier and wrote it down. It's, uh, and this is not normal for me, by the way. Uh, it, it, well, you know, those of you that have been here you know, 30 years know that this is probably uh, very odd that I would tell you uh, these things that God just began to just pour out to me while I'm standing there in praise and worship. But... Um, he gave me an earlier thought while I was standing there, and I wrote it down. I'll, I'll ask you the question the way uh, it, 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 uh, it, it came to me. Have you ever thought of some attribute of life, of some attribute of mind or body that you would like to have? Have you ever looked at other people or, or, uh, and, and say, you know, oh, I'd, I'd like to be like that. I'd like to have that. I'd like, I, w I wish I was that way. I wish, you know, I was more, you know, whatever. You know, have you ever looked at some attribute? Have you ever looked at someone else and said, well, you know, I'd be, it'd be better if I was a little more like that or if I was, you know, had that attribute or that, uh, you know, gifting or grace or something like that. Well, uh, um, this is what the, the Spirit of God said. Uh, which one of your greatest attributes, 
would you be willing to trade for that one? What is something in your life that makes you proud of you that you would trade for something that you think would make you, you'd like to add something to your life, but you, you, know, you wouldn't want to take one of your great attributes away from you. You, would, you might want to be, uh, you know, I don't know, you, you might want to be able to sing. Okay? Well, which one of your great attributes would you trade for that one? Which one of the things that you have depended on and has blessed you and has prospered you and made you, you know, uh, uh, succeed? Which one of your great, ad- not, not which one of your, you know, sorry ones, <laughs> but which one of your wonderful attributes would you be willing to trade for what you think is wonderful in someone else? Uh, me, not one. You see, you are perfect. You are the perfect you. And God has not designed anyone to be completely perfect in everything except Jesus. We all have our strengths. We all have our gifts. We all have our talents. We all have our abilities. And they are singularly divided unto us. Mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, uh, spiritually. We all have our singular giftings. And uh, we're not designed to be everything. We're not designed to be super, you know, human so that, so that uh, you know, we are the perfect person. We are us. And us is good enough. So... Rather than looking at someone else and perhaps wishing that you had something or were something or were able to do something or be something that they are, maybe you could look at some of the wonderful things that you are and realize that you are designed by God to be the perfect contribution because all the parts of the machine go to make the machine work. All the parts of the body go to make the body work. And a man cannot say, a woman cannot say, because I am not the ear, I am not a part of the body. Or you cannot say that because you are not the eye, you are not a part of the body. If all the body were hearing, where would the smelling be? I'm only quoting Jesus, okay? And so let me encourage you for whatever encouragement it might be tonight to realize that you are the perfect you. No one else was designed to be that perfect contribution to your family, to your community, to your church, and to the whole human race. You have capacity by design to fit perfectly into the place that God has for you. You don't need to be anyone else. You don't need to be, you know, a more gifted, okay? What our task and our goal is, is to learn how to be the best us and not let anyone else imagine us to be less than what God has made us. And neither should we imagine anyone else 
to be less than the perfect design by God. Now, not everyone chooses to play their part, but that does not have to be our testimony. Amen? Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to John, the first chapter. You know, life is designed by God so that no door closes in life without opening another door. No moment ends without introducing the moment which comes after. No conclusion of a season can reach its full moment without signaling that it has prepared the next season to begin. Everything ends and something new begins. That's by God's design. Life is meant to be a series of successes. And until we are successful, perhaps God is not finished with what he intended from the things that we go through. We don't choose what we go through. And there are a lot of things that happen in life. As Jesus said, in this life you will have tribulation. As the psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And as we understand that tribulation and trial and test and disappointments and hardships and afflictions come to everyone. But we are designed to conquer each one of the trials that we are offered. We are designed by God to get better and not bitter having gone through something. What a shame. What a terrible terrible shame it would be to endure a trial or a hardship or a tribulation or some tragedy and to learn nothing from it. God doesn't cause our hardships, but he is with us in every one of them. He doesn't cause our disappointments, but he never leaves us and never forsakes us. He does not cause the tribulation and the tragedy that comes to our lives, but Jesus was well, um, uh, uh, you know, he was filled with knowledge and wisdom when he said in this world, in this life, you are going to experience some test and some tribulation. He said, but don't let that knock the wind out of you. Realize that God is with you. And that through Christ, you can do all things. And there is no door that closes, but that it also has prepared you to open another door. And that door is intended for you to go through it and to be successful. Whatever the season may bring, it concludes with an opportunity and a preparation for a new season of life. God knows what he's doing, and he has never left one person behind. He has never left one person. He's never failed one person. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, don't worry. Don't be afraid. He said, listen, uh, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell me what you want and then live a life of thanking me for everything I do in your life. I'm telling you, you are the perfect you. And God has a perfect plan for you, a design for you. In the book of John, the first chapter, the Bible says in verse 1, reading from the New King James Version, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, when you read the Bible and you read the word, Word, you can replace that word, Word, with Jesus. When you read Jesus, you can say the Word because the Word and Jesus are the same. Right here, God is talking about the Word of God. He's talking about His Son. He's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus 
was with God and Jesus was God. Wow, that is, that's good doctrine. It's good word. It's the truth. It is the absolute truth that Jesus was with God in the beginning and that in the beginning, the very beginning, God and his word, just like they are today, were one. In verse 2, he was in the beginning with God, singularly and identifiable, with God in the beginning. In the beginning, when you get to heaven, I am 100% convinced you will see a God, you will see a Jesus, and you will see a Holy Spirit. At least you'll hear him. He'll sound like this, and you'll know him by the... <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> That's how I always knew as a kid the Holy Spirit was speaking, is because uh, he talked like this. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, and he was loud. I'm convinced that this triune God has always been, is now, and always will be. I don't understand all the complexities of the doctrinal diversities, and I don't understand all the arguments, and I don't even want to listen to them. I know that when Jesus prayed, he was praying to somebody in heaven. <laughs> it's God, his Father. And I know that he said, when I go away... I will send the Holy Spirit to you. Wow. But I do also know that in the beginning, as they are now and will be forever, they are in unity. They are one, standing together. And here we find that all things, verse 3, were made through the Word of God. Calls the Word of God Him. He, the Word of God, Him. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. There was nothing created, nothing ever created. As, as, as far as the human mind, as far as God can make us imagine or understand, there was never anything made that was not made by, for, and with Jesus. And in him, in Jesus, verse 4, was life. All of what we know as life was in the Word of God and is still in the Word of God. Life. Life. I mean, the one thing that, that, that we chase and we pursue and we try to make sure we don't let go of and, and the one thing we champion and the one thing we hold most dear, it is life. It is life. Life. In Christ in Jesus, in the word of God was life. And the life that was in Christ was the light of men. The elder John would go on later to tell us in chapter 1 that God's original intent was that this light, this life, this word of God, this son of almighty God, this one for whom all things were created and by whom all things were created, this intent that God had was that Jesus, the word of God, would bring life to every person who was born into this world. Every person, every person, it was God's intent that every person who would be born would be given life and would be given light 
Every person would have the revelation of God. Every person would be born trusting God. Every person would be born knowing God, knowing the light. And this life would be their light. And it would be their life. And they would know this Christ. It was God's intent, original intent, that every person born would be given this light. That responsibility to share and give the light, the life, and this love that John spoke of more than anyone else, that God so loved the world. He would later even say that God is love. Like he says, God is light. God is love. And in this, this one God, he is love, he is light, he is life. This, this, this is God's purpose. But not every person today, because of sin, the sin in the Garden of Eden, not every person born into the world, even though it's God's intent and God's hope, and even though we read it right in there in, in, in John, the first chapter, that, that it, it was God's desire that every person who was born into the world receive the light of the Word of God. Because when you receive the Word, when you receive Jesus, that's what you get. You get light. You get life and you get love. That's what you get whenever you get Jesus. And, and, and that was God's intent. But now, this responsibility has clearly fallen upon the shoulders of the Christian. It's our responsibility to share and to give this light, this light, this love, to every person who is born into the world. Everyone. In order to share, in order for us to do our part as a Christian, let's, let's look at these three things for just a few moments. These three attributes of God that are undeniable. The first one, God is light. Now, the reason we should know this is because so many times our dilemma is, well, what would God want me to do? What is the will of God? What should I do? You see, Jesus even had this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, is this the time that you want me to lay down my life, Lord? I mean, uh, and I don't want to. I'm, I'm, you know, I, 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 if, if there's some other way that we can do this, Lord, take this cup from me. I'm not looking. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not really wanting to go to the cross. That's not what I'm wanting to do. I'm not wanting to endure the shame or endure the pain. But I will do it if it is your will. Not my will, but yours be done. Tell me, God. Tell me what your will is. Jesus went and prayed one time, two times three times. I mean, if Jesus had to go and pray three times to understand what that, what that immediate will of God, that, that decision that was facing him, that moment that he was facing, what do I do about this? I mean, he understood the plan of God. He knew the will of God. He just needed to know the next step. You know, the word of God, the Bible says, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And sometimes the light on our path is plain. Sometimes 
Sometimes we know we need to be, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, reconciled in a relationship. Sometimes we know that we need to be forgiving. Sometimes we know that we need to give. Sometimes we know we need to love. Sometimes we know that, that, that we need to, you know, let go of our fear. We can see the big picture way down the road, but sometimes we're not sure, well, what am I supposed to do about that right now? I'm facing something right now. What is my next step? What do I do right now? And that's what Jesus was facing. Jesus knew that he was going to be a sacrifice for sin. Jesus knew that he was going to be the, the, the lamb that, was, that would, would take away the sins of the world. He, he, he knew all that. He just wanted to know, is this the moment? Is this the next step? And many times that's where we are in life. And one of the things that we need to realize whenever we are looking at what is God's will for me, then we need to understand what God is. In order to understand what does God want me to do right now or with my whole life, but more right now, then I need to understand God. Because if I can understand God, I can probably, even through uh, you know, uh, deductive reasoning, I can probably pretty much tell you what is and isn't God right now. If I know God. Is that making any sense at all? Well, God is light. That means this, that the next step I take in any decision I make never needs to be a step into darkness. That's brilliant, isn't it? I never need, if I ever step into darkness, I am not stepping into the will of God. If I ever step into sin, I'm not stepping into the will of God. Is that plain? Okay. What does light, you know, God is light. What, what is it that light represents? Well, light speaks of truth. You know, shine a light on it. <laughs> no, don't shine a light in my closet, please. Yeah, shine a light. Why don't you want to shine a light? Because everybody will see. But that's what sin does. Sin hides in secret. Sin grows. The power of sin is in the secret. It grows in darkness. It doesn't grow in light. Anything that will not grow in the light, anything that you will not show to the light, anything you will not bring to the light, you need to question. Anything you have to lie about, you need to question. Oh, this is some good stuff. This is like first grade, but it's like graduate. It's the simple way of making decisions. The next step I'm taking, the next decision I'm making, or the last step I took, or the last decision I made, was it God or not God? I mean, this only, I mean, whether you want to obey God or not, at least you should know what he wants. You got a choice to disobey God. You got a choice to not do what he wants. But we shouldn't be acting like we don't know what he wants. Especially when we're giving counsel to other people. We should never encourage someone else to lie. If you can't shine a light on it, okay, it, it speaks, light speaks of truth. It speaks of openness. It speaks of honesty. Light invites transparency and trust. Whoopee! Okay, let me leave that one. I'll let it settle in on you, okay? But God is light. Let's just read a scripture about it. In 1 John, John this elder, you know, he's 90-something years old most likely here and toward the, toward the end of, the, uh, you know, of, of, of his life. And 
He's writing this from Ephesus, a little town in Turkey on the western coast of Turkey. And he says in, in 1 John, the first chapter, verse 5, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. This is the message that they heard from Jesus. And the message that he was telling us that he had heard from Jesus. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Not even little white lies. Stepping into light. John would say that when we step in the light, when we walk in the light, darkness flees. John would say that Jesus was the light of the world and that, that men would not come to the light because men love darkness. They would not come to the light because their deeds would be made manifest that they were living in darkness and they were doing dark deeds and, and, and they were dishonest and, the, and they weren't telling the truth and they were living in sin. And that's why they didn't want to come to Jesus. That's why they didn't want to hang around him. That's why they didn't want to you know, come and hang around the word. That's why they, it's, it's because they felt like somebody would see their darkness. But Jesus said that if you expose that darkness to the light, that darkness will flee. Shine a light and the darkness runs. In fact, you know, I, I'm certain somewhere some really, really smart person that got that attribute and I didn't get it and I wanted it. But, you know, I can't think of several things I'd trade for that. But I'm certain there's some... There's some great smart person that would tell me this is not true and prove it on paper, but I'm going to say it anyway, that there's no such thing as darkness. You can't bring me a jar of darkness. Darkness is merely the absence of light. There is, you can bring me light. You can't bring me darkness. I know somebody real smarter than me, and you know, he didn't have that one, by the way. Okay, keep it. Okay, number two. Not only is God light, but God is life. That's what it says. Jesus, you know, in, in, you know, Jesus, in him was life. He's life. When you take a step into life, you're taking a step into God. Life speaks of all the wonderful things that makes us joyful and grow and makes us, you know, uh, uh, connected and makes us productive. You know, uh, choose life. That's what Joshua said when he was making his farewell speech at 110 years old, standing in a town we now know as Nablus, the old town of Shechem, just burying Joseph's bones. Joshua had just told him, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said, this day, I... Set before you a choice. You know, life and death, blessing and cursing. And he said, by the way, choose life. You know, Moses said that earlier, choose life. You know, there ought to be some banners somewhere around the nation hanging up said, choose life. Because God is life. But the real choice is eternal life. When you take a step into life, when you take a step into God, always choose eternal life, always for every person. It's our job to share this with other people so that they can choose life. Not choose those things which bring 
death and destruction and division and deterioration, degradation. Choose those things that build other people up. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of building people up, that it may minister grace to the hearers and not death. Don't be ministering death by letting corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth and tearing people down and and, uh, uh, assassinating people. Choose life. Choose to say good things. You know, my mom was great at this. She, I don't think I ever heard my mom say one bad thing about anybody all of her life. Yeah, never a thing. In fact, if anybody said anything bad about anybody, my mama would get a little bit nervous and she'd start saying good things about them. A little obnoxious that way. She was. Couldn't have any fun talking about somebody around her. First of all, she'd shut me down. She'd threaten to wash my mouth out with soap, even if I was 40 years old. (laughs) But at 88 years old, she had a little bit of dementia. She'd get upset at the nurses. She wouldn't say nothing bad about them, but she'd feign. She'd grab and bite them. (laughs) They'd call people and want to come up there and Tell her don't. And I'd just say, hey, look, quit aggravating her. <laughs> life. Choose life. Don't tear people down. Choose to build them up. Say things to people that encourages them, not discourages them. Watch your tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Speak that which is good. Okay? Encourage people. Build them up. It's especially the people that are closest to you, who let you in the deepest. Do you know of a man... Uh, stood somewhere in the world and said bad things about me and bad things about my family, you know, I might care, but it wouldn't really bother me. If they stood in my city and said bad things about me, that, that might bother me a little more. If they stood outside my, off, you know, in the, in the street in front of my house and, and started yelling bad things about me, that might bother me a little more. If they got up on my porch and started saying bad things about me, that might bother me a little bit more. But if I was to open up my house and let them in and sit down with them at my table and they started saying bad things about me after having gotten so close to me, that would hurt me deeply. And that's what David said. He said, if it had have been one of my enemies that was tearing me down, I could have withstood it. But this was my bosom friend, the man that I went to the house of the Lord with, the man that I sat at meat with and ate with. When he began to tear, began to tear me down, it was more than I could stand. He wounded my spirit. I led him so close. I let down my shield. I let down my armor. It was my close friend that betrayed me and broke my heart. I cannot recover from this wound. Don't be that kind of friend. The closer you are to someone, gives you a greater responsibility to encourage them because you also have a greater capacity to wound them. The third thing, and I'll close with this, not only is God light, 
Not only is God life, and every time we take a step into, into him, you know, we're supposed to be showing the world this light, showing the world what life and light of Christ is. Because it was God's intent that everyone see it. Every person in the world get to experience it. And that's what, that's what uh, Pastor Ken said a moment ago, is that, that, that uh, you know, we need to demonstrate our love. He didn't know what I was preaching on, but there needs to be a demonstration of the love because one of, he said, one of the, uh, one way to secure your understanding of God's love is to be a conduit of his love. Once we begin to love others, we can better understand his love ourselves. And that's the third thing. God is love. That's what John said again in John, the fourth chapter, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We need to always step into love. If you have two choices... Do what love demands. Love demands we forgive. Love demands that we care. Love demands that we reach out. Do what love demands. Okay? Don't let frustrations, aggravations, irritations break down your willingness to love someone. And love is the demonstration of God in this life. You demonstrating love for someone else says nothing about them. It says everything about you. Love is the measure of God in you. It's not the measure of the person you're loving. Love does not equal that I like you. Love does not equal I agree with you. Forgiveness does not equal I agree with you. Forgiveness does not equal it's okay. It just means that we are choosing to demonstrate God in our life. We are designed by God to follow him and to walk in the light, the life, and the love of God so that others can see this light and glorify God in heaven. Be forgiving, okay? How do you know if you've forgiven? Now, I forgive you does not mean we are okay. All right? Forgiveness and restoration are two different things. Don't get mixed up. Some people are like, well, you just haven't forgiven me. No, look. Uh, forgiveness and restoration are two different things. Okay? How do you know if you've forgiven? Unforgiveness says, I want to hurt you. I want somebody else to hurt you. I want God to hurt you. That's unforgiveness. Forgiveness says, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want God to hurt you. I don't want somebody else to hurt you. But I want you to quit hurting me. You can be hurt and still be forgiving. Does that make sense? You can be angry and still be forgiving. Okay? And a lot of times, people are hurting and they're angry, and they just want to quit hurting. It's not that they don't want to hurt somebody else. There may be a healing that needs to take place in your life. You may have dealt with forgiveness, and you don't want to hurt the other. If you do want to hurt the other person, you do need to forgive. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, vengeance belongs to God. 
but it doesn't, I forgive you does not mean I agree with you, I like you, or I want to be your friend. I forgive you means that I don't want to hurt you, you know, and I'm doing my best to walk in forgiveness, okay? <laughs> I don't want to hurt you right now, but if you don't get on my face, I may not be as forgiving, okay? So help me forgive you by moving, <laughs> you know, like, you know? <laughs> God, you know, uh, God will help you to forgive because you don't need to want anybody to hurt or be hurt or be judged or go to hell or pay for something. You know, which one of your kids do you want them to have to pay for something they did for the rest of their life? Which one of your kids do you want to slap down and stomp down and hold down for the rest of their life because they did something wrong? Well, neither does God want any of his kids to be slapped down or beat down or held down or held back for the rest of their life because they did something wrong. Okay? Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Okay? Walk in the light, in the life, and in the love of God. Demonstrate it so others can see Christ and have hope be saved have an example be encouraged be built up strengthened you got it okay you are the perfect you